How you feel? How you yeah, doing? All good, eh? Feeling good? No, no problems. Cool. Can you just sign in there, please? Hello. Uh-huh. Tim. You're right. Uh, age. age. You never yeah. know. You never know. I think uh, I'm, I'm, I'm over 40. Shouldn't should, should confuse the two. <laughs> what, age and temperature? Yeah. 36.3. Uh, Tim. Health status all good so far. I don't know of. It's a time. Woo! Perfect. Great. How's that? Thanks a lot, Phil. Good to go. Alright, off you go. Let's ask questions. Right now. Yeah. Let's go. Hey everybody and welcome to the Dante Bazier show. Today, woo-wee, we got a special guest. Mr. Phil Statney, who is a safari tour guide, photographer, and runner. His knowledge on animals is just insane, and the places he's been are just absolutely amazing. His stories are amazing. He's a very interesting guy, and I enjoyed chatting to him very much. So please enjoy the podcast, and please welcome Phil Statney. What's up? Hey. Enjoying the rain, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if the rain was going to make noise for the podcast, but it's quiet now. Yeah, it's not now. It looks like it's going to clear up again. It's quite a serious shot. You see the puddles on the on the road? I haven't been out. Jesus, you've got paddleboarding on them, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's lots of rain. Looks uh, good. I've seen people who, who take skimboards. Yeah. And they get sketched behind the car. Yeah. Take the, the sunlight to put. Um, like rails and, and little mini ramps, kickers, in puddles and take the skimboard and whack it across there and actually do like rail slides and do jumps and stuff. It's pretty insane. It's been in the common. You must go check the common. It's flooded. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, sorry for inviting me. I'm going I'm to ask you some lots of questions. I can see that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, let's hope I can answer them. Eh? More's better than a little. Yeah, it's 100%. How did you get into doing safari tours? I've always wanted to do safaris. They always be from as far as I can remember, which is pretty cool. So it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. As soon as I left school, I went and lived in the bush. And that's it. I've still, that's 26 years later, still doing what I've always wanted to do. Eh? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You seem, you seem to enjoy it. I love it. It's the best job in the world. Yeah. Although we, I need tourism to open now, then, then it can be the best job in the world again. Yeah. Okay. What type of tours do you do? Uh, we do all sorts of things. Basically, like safari adventure based. So there's photographic safaris, that's the main thing. But then there's also like trail running adventures, mountain bike adventures. We've done motorbike trips through South America all the way through Africa, I've done Kenya to Cape Town on a motorbike. So it's really whatever people want to do. It's, it's, uh, there's no real trip that is packaged. It's just if people want to do cool stuff, we put it together and go and do it. As long as it's adventure or safari based or both, ideally. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. Why did you choose to go private safari instead of the other one? Oh, private or was that safari. just how it happened? Yeah, no, it's just it seemed to be a bit of a progression. Eh? So you start off in the lodges. And, uh, and that's great fun and you're always in one area whereas the private safaris I can go anywhere so I can go anywhere from Ethiopia uh, to Congo to Zimbabwe, Zambia to South America so 
so basically I can travel a lot more and see wildlife on a broader spectrum. And also with private safaris, you know, you have just one family or one group of friends for two weeks, so you really get to know people and you, 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 know, you can have a great fun, everyone can have a lot of fun like that, meeting new people. Whereas at lodges, it's sort of two, three people every two or three nights, you know, and then it's the next person. You don't really build a, I mean, you can, but you don't really build a great sort of friendship. So that's, I think that's probably the coolest part of private safaris. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. What places have you traveled to? You've already been everywhere in Africa. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of Africa. So close to home, there's Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia. Then up north is Kenya, Tanzania. Uh, Congo, Ethiopia, Sudan, Uganda, Rwanda, and then I did a trip through South America, all the way, uh, all up and down over the Andes from the Atacama Desert in Chile, all the way down through Argentina, down to Ushuaia, which is the southern tip of South America. I traveled lots of Europe uh, as a as a younger man. Yeah, so I've done a lot of traveling there, but Africa is. My favorite places. You never know what you're going to get in Africa. In <laughs> Europe is pretty clean cut, you know, it's coming. Yeah. Europe is very Yeah. What's that? Europe is very clean cut. Yeah, yeah, Europe is very clean cut. The States, I mean, it's good, you know, you can plan. There's lots of easy planning. In Africa, you better be flexible. Eh? You never quite know what you'll be able to do today. Maybe it's different tomorrow. And uh, yeah, if you want to just, if you want to use a ferry you, you know you may get to the river's edge and there's like no ferry You're like what do you mean there's no ferry well, even the beaches in europe are way different because when i was in italy you pay to go to the beach for the day yeah then you get like like a chair to sit on and that kind of stuff yeah but then it's like don't really doing anything not even any waves like tiny yeah yeah, yeah. no then right up by the set sand it's concrete yeah but it's quite cool to go and see those places and go and experience the way it is there. So that's yeah. actually probably the coolest thing about traveling is as long as you don't go with a mindset, oh, it's not going to be like this or, oh, it's not like this. You must go there to experience. See something different. Yeah, see something different. Check out the culture, the food, the people. And, and then don't necessarily compare it. Just go to another place and put that in the bank and, and learn. It's a cool opportunity to learn big stuff about the world, about the whole space that we live in. There's a lot of people that don't travel, they live in a pretty small environment in their brains. There's not much else to be fed in there. Whereas if you can travel, I think it's a great thing, a great way to learn about the, the whole planet, the planet Earth that we live on. Yeah. Some people don't even live in the valley. 100% correct. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, those people, are, although every now and then if I have to go into town, I'm like, Stay in the valley, we go to our beach, we go surf, the sun shining, you know. Yeah, people yeah. come to me. Yeah. <laughs> are you good at surfing? Or I enjoy it, eh? Yeah. So when I'm not on safari, then I'm either surfing or running, riding, Brazilian jiu-jitsu with your dad. Yeah, there's a lot of anything activity based, eh? action and activity based. Yeah. I've surfed before. Yeah, okay. Can never make it to standing. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, eh? Surfing is but that's one of the things why I was so hooked. I never used to do it. I've just done it since I've been in Cape Town. And I found it really intriguing because it looks 
quite easy. If you, you, know, you go to Musenberg and you see thousands of people surfing, you think, oh, I'll give that a bash. It's not easier. So, yeah. so you have to keep going back and keep learning and keep keep trying, keep trying. Eventually you'll get it. Yeah. Even when you're not surfing, you're waiting for the waves, you're still, that's still tiring. It's super tiring. Yeah. And also if you think about it, if you don't surf, you don't use your arms for much. I mean, even in skating, you, you're training your legs, you're training your core, your balance, that sort of thing. But when yeah. you have to paddle and you know, work your arms, it's pretty hard. But it's not dissimilar to skating. Eh? Well, That's why I like it. I like to skate as well. I've got a, I've got a carver. Nice. I love just carving, cruising, finding, going, looking for smooth roads is another thing I love to do. I'll go and drive all over. I've got a hot bag, a fish hook, and look for cool, smooth roads yeah. just to carve. And it's the same as in as surfing. Yeah. If you get a nice wave, just cruising along is such fun. Well, skating came from surfing because they were they wanted to imitate surfing when there was no waves. Yeah, exactly. That's why they started doing backwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that one. There's a there's a classic. Uh, Lords of Dogtown. Yeah, Dogtown. It's a cool movie. Yeah. You watched it? I've seen it many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool man. <laughs> uh, cool, the guy man. in that film, Stacy Peralta. Yeah. He is the reason that Tony Hawk is famous because he's the one that discovered him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's also the person who wrote that movie. Oh really? Is that Paul Peralta? Is that yeah, that's his brand. Ah, uh, okay. Because that was Tony's first sponsor, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Eh? Yeah, yeah. The Bones Brigade. Yeah, the, the Bones Brigade. What was the... Paul Peralta had like a... Was it an eagle with a skull? Was that Probably. The, I can't remember what the... I never had one of those. Hey, you must, you must Google the original Paul Peralta... I've seen them. Like ...sticker. You know, like... Uh, yeah. Which one was the one with the, with the blue hand and the mouth? Was it Santa Cruz? That's Santa Cruz. Yeah. Because they, they were this similar era. Because yeah. we also grew up skateboarding. So I, I, I come from Johannesburg. I went to school in Natal. But we skated as a BMXing and skateboarding. That's what we did when we were kids. I loved it. The dangerous stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good fun though. Skating is actually not that dangerous. It just depends what, you, what type of skating. Yeah. You, you know, it's like anything. You can take it to crazy levels or you can just enjoy Enjoy skating. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't need the nuts, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I enjoy skating. Anything, eh? See, all those things, they're all passions. Surfing, skating, and safaris, photography, they're not... Like, I mountain bike and trail run pretty much every day, but it's for work. So I take a group to Namibia and we go and do like a massive mission every year, running and riding. So, but it's a passion. And I'm lucky enough to have my passion be my work. It's a pretty cool goal to have, I think, yeah. for anybody. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to grow my brand, Peaches. 100%. I, I dig it. I think your brand's really cool. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, I still need you to make me a longboard. I need a carver. I can't. Eh? Or, or you can't? I can, but... Does that dilute Peaches? It doesn't dilute it, it's just way different. Making a longboard computer trickboard is a whole different process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. Well, maybe I must just bring my board and we'll get your logo on it. Dig your logo. Cat yes. eating the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny drew that logo. Uh, really, eh? Yeah, it's good to have people who can do different skills, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Multi-talented. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Which of the tours you have done have been your favorite? Favorite tours? 
I don't think I've done a trip that I dislike. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I... It's a positive answer? Yeah, like I, I love... The bonus is that whatever, I, whatever trip I, I'm doing, I'm putting it together for a group or a family because I know that I would love it. Like, I'm going to love it, which, which makes me pretty confident that they're going to dig it. You know what I mean? Exactly. But I think my favorite thing to do, some of my favorite stuff, is to do walking safaris. So if we're talking just safaris, I love walking safaris. Leave the car behind and just trek and look for tracks and track stuff. Talk about the small things. You know, if you see any of the bigger things, to see whether we can sneak up to a lion or an elephant without disturbing it. That's the golden rule for me is, you know, if, you, if you're going into the wild, environment you must understand that you're a guest that you you know you, you're going to their home you're going to their home and if you if you pick fights with some of those animals you've got a very good chance of losing so when you're on walking safari there's an added sort of extra of adventure but there's also a real or reality to the experience if, if yeah, you know yeah. when you're in there you've got to be smart you've got to be sharp you look out for tracks listen to stuff smell try and interpret that for your guests, for the clients, let them learn it. And then, yeah, some of the stuff you get to see is pretty incredible. I also like macro photography. What's that? So when you, when you zoom in onto uh, like, like a, a small insect, but the, the lens that you use allows you to get really detailed pictures of like a fly's eye, for example, or the hairs on, on the legs of a praying mantid. Pragmented, yeah, and it uses that to grab things. But those spikes that it has there are hardcore. But you just you don't often see this. So it's kind of like looking through a, a magnifying glass and being able to take the photograph of that. But you can only do that if you're walking. You can in the car, but you have to get off, and get down to the ground. By the time you get there, they'll be gone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so now I dig all the trips that I do. I love it. What's your process when you take animal photos? I'm not even sure the. If I have a process, really, uh, but what I try and do is, so we always go out in the early morning and the late afternoon, so it's the most likely time for stuff to be moving, and it's the best time for light. So with photography, it's actually more a photograph of the light rather than the actual subject. I mean, for example, you can, you can take a lion and just put it in a black and white room, and it will be a very different picture to putting that line out as the sun setting with orange light on it. You can even take a picture of a brick with good light on it and it'll look cool. Yeah. So the light is going out at the right time of day is really important for me. And then anticipation and knowing my, if, I, if today we want to go and photograph uh, elephant, then I'll go and look in places that will be where, where we, first of all we know we're going to find them. And then position the vehicle in the right place to see if they move in that direction with the light on them with that kind of background. You know, if there's a certain tree, instead of going looking for it, you, you go find the animal that's moving in that direction, then position the car and wait for it to get into the shot. So there's that sort of, you can plan, but um, the main thing is light. Get out there when there's good light. Same goes for, if you're going you know, you to take photographs of skating, the light plays a big role. Yeah. Mm. You have to wait a lot when you try to take photos of animals. Hours there. Eh? 
Yeah, yeah, patience. I took a, 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 a sort of semi-professional photographer out a long time ago who was just doing a photographic book on cheetah. So he, he would come out for 10 days and from 3 o'clock in the morning we would go find the cheetah that we left yesterday evening, right? Okay. And, and go and sit there the whole day. And when they moved, we moved with them. When they lay down, we lay down with them. And he was always just looking for specific shots. Cubs playing, mother hunting, cubs feeding, mother drinking. And we would just go and sit all day. We'd get the lodge to bring us food, bring us water. And sometimes we'd sit for days until he got the shot. And then, okay, good, now we can do something else. But yeah, you need lots of patience there. How did you get into photography? I did photography at school as a, as a subject or, or as a major in art. So I've always been interested in photography and then being in an environment that lends itself to... I, I'm amazed there's a lot of guides don't take photographs. can't understand why. I mean, you, you're right there, you see incredible stuff on a daily basis. And so I, I came into safaris loving photography and then built up a pretty cool photographic equipment setup, and every day it's like, let's go and get a cool photo, let's go see what we can photograph today. And you see cool stuff, really amazing, unique stuff, stuff that, that people just don't get to see unless you're watching BBC or you're, you know, you're watching documentary, National Geographic, that sort of stuff. So we're in it, like you're right there, so you might as well, and I just so happen to enjoy that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I also did a little bit of photography thing at school. Yeah. But they didn't really teach you much with proper cameras. They only taught us about editing photos on your phone. Yeah. Most people nowadays use phones. Look. Depending what you're doing it for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And some of these phones are insanely good. Eh? Samsung's have one of the best cameras. Yeah, yeah. Samsung, I think Sony still has quite a good camera if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so does Nokia. Yeah, a lot of them do that. Eh? And so... Maybe if now going to doing photography at school now, we, we used to go into the dark room. I don't know if you even know. Doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, so basically the old, old version of photography is you take the shot and it would burn the image on a slide. So this, have you seen slide film? Yeah. It's like a plastic reel, right? You hold it up to the light, you can see the shot that was taken. But now you need to get that shot onto paper, and it used to used to go into a dark room, like a, a room with no lights, no nothing. The the only light you could have was a red bulb shining, because that wouldn't burn into the paper. Okay. Yeah, and then you you have these trays with chemicals, and you 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 have the the paper that you you put it the paper into these chemicals. You there's a shot that puts the photograph from that slide onto the paper then you put it into another bowl of chemical and it would slowly bring out the color or in this case black and white and that's how you print it and depending on how long you left it in the chemical how much your chemical mix was as to the, the light the color contrast between black and white and shadows and you know like now when you're fiddling on your phone you've got all of that you've got shadows you've got contrast it's, you, all, there for you. it's all there but this was all done you should google it as well like a dark room uh, developing photographs in a dark room you'll be like what the hell is that i mean you get one photograph out of 60 shots you're doing well yeah, yeah. yeah. so we did that at school man eh? 
Sounds cool. Yeah, and then digital came along, and that obviously changed the game a lot. Yeah, I remember when I first started, we used to have film. Film, so you yeah. load your, your camera with film, and you, the most exposures you could have is 36 shots, right? So I would go and work for six weeks at a time. I could only afford six rolls of 36. So I'd shoot 36 shots in a whole week. That's it. Okay. Uh, and then you have to wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you go home and get them developed, and it's quite exciting. But I mean, now if you've got, I don't even know if you, you can get like a memory stick, maybe like a one gig or something like that. But 36 shots is nothing. It's impossible. But anyway, that's how it was. Eh? No. I have a friend who uses a film camera. Look, it's, it's still arguably, in general, better quality if you're using high quality slide. Yeah. Depends on what you're using. Then again, you get some crazy, like the Hasselblad, I don't know if you've heard, it's high, high level digital camera. Okay. But then you need, you, know, you need some serious cash to buy that thing. <laughs> I get the point of still using a film camera because you get a unique image. Mm. Or well, the video cameras, I don't get the point. Because no, still some skate filmers yeah. use the Sony VX100, yes. I think. Because yeah. that was like the first camera that was actually very good for, for filming skateboarding because it had the handle and everything. Yes. And you could get like a fisheye lens, which is the best for skating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nowadays when they use that, I don't get the point because the quality is bad. Yeah. And also you, can, also you can lose your image very quickly. Like if someone did a hard trick and you didn't film it, if something messes up. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I actually I watched this. The making of one of the skate movies. I love watching Red Bull TV, and there's lots of skate movies on there. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched that, uh, but there's often the making of, and these oaks were filming a, a, a tricky, a tricky scene, and they lost it. They like, you know, we were talking about taking takes, yeah. and they took like 15 takes or whatever it was, and eventually they got it, but there was something wrong with the setting on the guy's camera. <laughs> that happens to me before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Skateboard is never one try. No, none of those movies are when you look at them how they're made. When you see them for the first time, you go, wow, they make it look so easy. Behind the scenes, it's pretty hardcore. Uh, yeah. Have you ever done any tours like with like a boat work, with the ocean kind of stuff? Uh, or you stick to land? Yeah, definitely more land based from a touring point of view. We've done some shark cage, the shark diving here in, in uh, Simon's town, but yeah, funny, I like to surf, otherwise I'm not a big fan of rocking about in the ocean, I just get sick of eh? it. I think I'd be on a, well actually i on a speedboat, but I'd be on a proper boat. Mm. If you, if you, I get so motion sickness, like even at the back of a car, so for me a boat, yeah, I'm okay, I'll stay on land or surf. Like fishing or that natural thing? Yeah, I don't mind fishing, it's not, like, it's not a big thing, but um, I like fly fishing. But yeah. going into uh, wild areas and then going in like wild rivers, I'm not a big fan of fishing in dams and stuff like yeah. that. But fly fishing is pretty cool. Yeah. I have a friend who's a very big fisherman. Yeah. He does fishing competitions and oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, one thing about fishermen, talking about having passions. Yes. Fish and a patient. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the fishermen, like guys who are keen on fishing, man, to talk about anything else, they don't want to know. Just fishing. Yeah. I had him on my podcast. Yeah. He could talk about fishing all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. If you hey, look, again. They know what they're talking about. Yeah, I think as long as people are doing stuff that they love, 
Awesome. No, I, 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 I'd love to hear that guy's, your podcast on the on this dude who digs fishing. Not because of fishing, but the concept of people, yeah, liking, doing what they love. It's awesome. That's inspiring. It is indeed. Which people are the worst to deal with on a tour? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> you know what it is? People that are not there to really enjoy the full experience. It doesn't matter who you are. So in terms of, a lot of people always ask like, oh, are, the, are, the, uh, are the English bad or the South Africans or the Americans or the Europeans? It's got nothing really to do with the culture. It's got more to do with some people are coming to see and they're expecting more or, or they're expecting something different. And if they don't get what they expect and they don't really enjoy and, and really understand where they are, essentially appreciate where they are. Those people are really tricky. But and if you don't have the patience to deal with that, you could get pretty cross with them. It's like, yeah, if you don't know, if you don't understand and appreciate where you are, you should just leave. But for me, I, I find that quite interesting to try and take those people and educate them. Because maybe they don't know where they are. They just think because they're paid that it should be like lions, elephants, leopards, cheetah, like going to the zoo, you know, maybe there's a, there's a slight aspect of, of ignorance and then you slowly try and, uh, try and put it into perspective for people, essentially let them go home with a very different idea than when they arrived. But yeah, people who don't really appreciate stuff, they're, they're tricky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My family from Austria, from my mom's side, yeah. they went to a game reserve, I can't remember which one. Yeah. And when we went on the tour with them, they were basically not even taking pictures of the animals, they were just taking selfies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of them don't even... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, like my mom and me and my brother were more, were more excited to see the animals than them. I think it's quite a lot to take in, eh? That's true. Yeah, I think people that have never been before, they, they want to show that, that they're there, you know. And then later on, if they come back or if they actually give it some thought, then, then they might go, you know, have a more of an understanding and therefore an appreciation of where they were and if they ever got the opportunity to go back they may do things differently. That is true. Yeah, yeah. But they seem more more happy to just hang out by the hotel pool. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds... That sounds like I didn't, even, I didn't even want to wake up early to do another tour. Yeah, I think that's a pity, but hey, if they... If I guess they, for them it's like they've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's what they... Different. If that's what they got out of it... That's fine. Yeah. Who are the best people on tours? Yeah, anybody with enthusiasm. Anyone who's like, who really appreciates where they are. and Because uh, then, then you can say, hey, you know, let's get up earlier to go and see the hyenas still moving at the den, for example. You know, the wild dogs get moving really early, but it's going to take us three hours to get there. You guys keep, yeah. you know, you want people to go, yeah, let's go. And you pack food and you pack stuff. Because if you're not enthusiastic, and amped, it's quite hard to do. God, oh, let's go and do some extra stuff, guys. You know, it's probably effort. Yeah, so enthusiastic, enthusiastic, anyone who's enthusiastic, I love it. Eh? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I guess we will feed off each other. Uh, you, you become products of your environment. So if people are not enthusiastic, it makes me uh, not be that enthusiastic. Or if I'm enthusiastic and you're enthusiastic, man, you're going to have a great day. Yeah. Yep.
What was it like hanging out with silverback gorillas? Oh man, actually you ask what was the what was the coolest trip. That is one of the most incredible things to do. You can sit this far away from a big silverback. Okay. And they are massive. They're like their heads are like double, triple soccer balls. And they're massive and they're just solid beasts and they show very little emotion. You just know that that's the boss. Yeah, so it's pretty special. And you know, the fact is there are not many of them left. They're highly endangered animal. So again, if one understands that, it's a huge privilege to sit with them at this distance watching their natural behavior they're complete you know you're not disturbing them in any way they've just taken up to five years of habituation process to get to that point so there's a whole pro program that people do in the national parks firstly to look after them so they follow them armed security guards look after them 24 7. okay yeah and then there's people that go along to do research watch their behavior and do doctorates or whatever they do on them and then once they've done that for up to five years, sometimes a bit longer, then they bring in small groups, no more than six people at a time, to view them for an hour, just one hour every day. That's it, yeah. So it's quite special. But they're, they're bigger. The silverbacks the monster. What other animals have you hand out with? Or basically all, all yeah, kinds? The other, yeah, all kinds. But the other really cool thing is also primates, is chimpanzees. In some of those same forests. Like, like humans. They're very similar to humans. Um, they're actually really quite active. They're quite characterful. There's huge dynamics within the family groups, so you can you can sit and observe them for ages. Yeah, gorillas are amazing, but they're a little bit more scary. They are the big males are scary, but um, they don't do as much. Whereas the chimps are active. They climb trees and shouting and, and screaming and, and jumping down and feeding and. Yeah. I've seen a video of a chimp skating. Oh yeah, look. I'm but they push with their head, with their arms, not with their. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've also seen one tie someone's shoe. Yeah, they're smart, eh? Yeah. They're highly intelligent. They, they are very closely related to humans, whether you want to believe that or not. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Now we see a lot of cool wildlife, eh? Lots of different things. Elephants, lions. My favorite animal is a honey badger. Those are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small, but they, they're quite feisty, entertaining to watch. You ever had an interaction with a bat? A bat? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in Uganda, there's a place, there's a, there's a waterfall called Merkiston Falls. And on the one side of the waterfall is a huge rock face, massive. Like it drops down into the gorge. But it's okay. a flat rock face. And you can hear in the afternoon the bats are calling and they're getting ready to, at the sunset, they're getting ready to fly out. And, and then, like an hour before sunset, you see all these different raptors coming and they're landing on, on the trees on the edge of the gorge. They're landing, they're flying around the valley, some down at the bottom, and they're waiting for these waves of bats to come out. And then they go airborne and they grab these bats and they feed on them. Yeah. It's, it's intense and you're sitting at eye level where these, there's, there's this specific raptor called a bat hawk. You should check it out on, on, on Google. The, it looks like a bat itself actually, black with these very sharp wings and they're aerial masters. They, they, they catch bats. Now I don't know if you've seen bats flying 
but they are so, so nimble. But these bat hawks can whack them out of the sky. So that was probably one of my most interesting bat sightings is <laughs> watch, watching them. But when I say like walls of like a whole wave of bats, it, the sky is like black. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. But I don't think I've, I might have had some. In some of the places I've lived, in the, they have them in the roof, they're all over there. They're quite a natural, naturally occurring uh, animal. But I don't think I've had one where like, it's flown in my face or anything like that. It's cool that bats can still fly very well and they're blind. Oh yeah, with the, the sonar location. Yeah. That's, that's next level, eh? that's from Mars. <laughs> the fact that they're sending sound out, I mean this is a basic explanation, but they'll send sound out, depending on how the waves come back at them, yeah. They they form a picture of the environment in their computer, their brain. That's how sonar essentially works. And so when when a little moth flies by, the sound waves hit the moth and bounce back and they pick up that and that's how they can grab it. That's cool. Yeah, it's that's that's another level there. I have a funny bat story. Yeah. So when I was in primary school, yeah. We went to UCT for an outing to learn all that the science department, all that creatures they were like doing tests on yeah and there was a there was a one person doing something on a bat yeah so my whole class sat in the circle yeah and we we're going to feed the bat and it was a fruit bat so and you know how bats don't really eat the fruit they just suck the juice yeah yeah so we were all going to have a turn to feed it yeah and when it came to my turn since it probably had more juice than usual yeah it peed on me <laughs> I don't know if they say like you know the bird craps on you it's good luck I'm not sure about a bat there, Dante. <laughs> What's a unique story? It is a very unique story, and, and you're lucky you'd be able to laugh about it. It is funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> yeah, fruit bats get quite big, eh? Yeah. I think in Australia they call them uh, flying foxes. Like they, they, they get large, like this big. They look like birds. Australia's are huge creatures. Yeah, yeah. They spiders are like twice the size of ours. Yeah, yeah, scorpions, spiders. The deadliest snakes. Apparently koalas aren't that friendly. I reckon if you try to catch them or like shut them down, they could be quite aggressive. Often those slow-moving things have to yeah. be a little bit aggressive, but I don't think that. I don't know if that be damaging. Kangaroos have fast reflexes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I reckon if you get in the way of a big red, you'd, you'd get a beating. Eh? <laughs> have you been to Australia? No, not yet, sir. No, it was actually I was supposed to be there now. Actually, I, was, I had a trip planned for this year, but uh, twenty twenty, eh? <laughs> Special year, this one. Yeah. I want to go to Australia. It seems like a cool place. I'd love to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm probably sure. Eh? I'm probably sure the accent's gonna annoy me after a while. You better be careful. You might come back sounding like I was there. Probably. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a cool place. Yeah, yeah. big, eh? big country, massive. Uh, big, big, big stretches of wild, and it's essentially like a desert environment, so it's not really livable. I'm, I'm keen to cross, uh, go through Australia on a motorbike. That'd be cool. It does sound cool. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. See how next year goes. Australia's got famous surf spots. Lots of, lots yeah. of famous surf spots and famous surfers, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's your planning process for your tours? Uh, step one, I would say, is to find out what the people want to do, find out what the group wants to do, what are they interested in, what are their expectations, uh, and then, and uh, yeah, also find out how long do they want to go for, yeah, what their budget is, what should we be looking at, 
And then, then I suggest areas, lodges and experiences, put an itinerary together, and off we go. That's it. It's really the most important part is finding out what do the people want to do. Make sure everyone's happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not, much, not, not much planning as I thought. Probably that's just... The, I think the planning... So we know that over the years, we know where the best areas already are. So if you, if you were new, let's say, you would have to work out where's a good area, what accommodation do they have, what's the easiest way to get there, what's the best time of year to be there, uh, you know, what are the factors that, are, that make that place better or worse than another place, what are the safety factors. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff that's already in position, which I guess then gives me the freedom to just ask you what do you want to do, like what are your special interests? So that I can go and put my knowledge to use by saying, okay, if you if you want to do if you want to see birds, if you want to go walking and canoeing and fishing, then these are the best places at this time of year. So the planning's already been done, like over the years. That makes sense. Yeah, but but now it's a case of where do you want to go? This is what I can suggest. That's it. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah. What's your most noteworthy wildlife experience? Or no, experience interaction. If you, or that was how you would explain it. Oh, the gurus. It depends on. So I used to run a walking safaris camp, and there, like I say, when you're sneaking up to animals, using the wind in your favour and the cover, and you you're basically viewing an animal without disturbing its natural behaviour. That to me is doesn't matter what it is, and, and I. I I have done that often, so there's lots of different sightings, but the concept for me is the best thing ever. It's, you, you get it, yeah, you, you pull in with a vehicle to sleeping lines, they're used to the vehicle. It's, it's nice, but to sneak up to an animal using the available cover, using a skill, and you're not disturbing it, so you, so you understand that this animal has no idea that we're here, and therefore that Whatever it's doing, it's been doing that for ever and ever and ever. So you're seeing it naturally? Yeah, 100% naturally. Yeah. So, so walking is walking and viewing animals. I think whether it be gorillas, because you're walking and you're viewing the gorillas, or, or just uh, like desert black rhinos, something like that. So we've, I've seen a couple of rhinos in northern Namibia. And I mean, if you had to take a drone footage of, of a rhino in the desert, you zoom out and you go like out to space, you'll see that that rhino is in the middle of absolutely nowhere. There are no roads, there's no towns, no villages, no people. So when, you, when you've walked in for two or three days into that environment and you suddenly see a rhino, the understanding that that thing is like uber wild, untouched, not many people that, is, that have actually seen that rhino, for example. So that's, that's quite special. And not everyone thinks of that, but it's my intent to show you or explain to you that what you're seeing there is, is rare. Like a handful of people on this planet have had the privilege of standing where we're standing and looking at that animal. Do you tell the people you do your tours that kind of stuff, like this is a rare moment? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Make them yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah I mean, a lot of, most people know it. They understand that, they, that it's rare. But there's sometimes some context and perspective that I can add to, to really drive that idea home.
Because I find it every time. I'm like, what I'm seeing here is, is unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. So I think as long as it's those kind of sightings, there's so many. Yeah. Do you use a drone for your when you're on tours? Uh, mostly not. You're not allowed to in a lot of the areas. Okay. But in some of the places, uh, some of the, the mountain biking trips we've done and trail running trips and adventure trips, you can use a drone to make little videos and it's quite incredible. So people do use it and I personally haven't used a drone, but sometimes people bring it along. You know? But in a lot of national parks and, and private parks, you're not allowed to use drones. As I'm sure you know, yeah. a lot of no drone zones. No. Lots of no drone zones. Yeah, lots of no drone zones, yeah. <laughs> Do you also do filmmaking or just photography? Yeah, I'm mostly photography. I, mean, I, I use a little app uh, to make some small clips. It's quick. It's a, I think it's a GoPro app. Okay. And just quickly. But I don't uh, cut movies together and make videos. Yeah. Then I just do it on the phone. It's quick stuff. Quick yeah. stuff, yeah. For Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts on people doing black and white photos to try and be artsy? Um, I, yeah, I enjoy black and white. I enjoy any, like sepia, yeah, it's, it's a different um, style. A different style, it's almost like going from water paint to oils to pencils to charcoal. It creates a different image. So I think it's cool. I think you must use the full spectrum of everything that one has, yeah, around you. So now, you know, you can change your photograph into anything. But it's also like like a washed up black and white shot doesn't necessarily work. I think if you start to understand black and white, color, sepia, different filters can enhance the photograph. So you might as well do it if it does enhance it. But I, I like black and white. I think it's good. Yeah. Some black and white photos are cool, but I feel like some people just make their photo black and white just for the sake to be artsy, not really because of it necessarily yeah. works yeah 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 for, for sure but that's okay trying it depends on it depends on on the person's intent like if they just like you say trying to be artsy maybe trying to trying to get more attention maybe it works you know i don't know but if you get it right it's quite cool yeah but i think sometimes black and white photography is a little harder actually in some ways to get right than color because a black and like a color shot can still be can still be quite nice, even if it's just a little bit off. But a black and white shot, if it's not right, it's like mm, I don't know if that worked. Some people have their whole Instagram page just black and white. Yeah. Hey, look. It's a style choice. I like black and white, but I think I prefer. I like colors. Colors are vibrant. They're happy. They show you the area better. Yeah. Yeah. But I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of uh, black and white, especially in wildlife. And you just, what's interesting about uh, black and white is it's a great example of a lot of animals see in shades of light and dark. So a lot of animals don't see in the full color spectrum like like we do. And so sometimes it's quite nice to take a photograph of like cheetah in a I mean a zebra or cheetah but zebra in an open area with the woodland behind them in black and white. And it really shows you actually how well that those lines of light and dark mix with its environment as camouflage. Okay. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it depends on your reason, eh? Yeah. For doing black and white. But it's, I think it's cool. The same way if some people have like 
blurry stuff in the background to try and look cool. Yeah, look, I mean, there's there's a it's whole abstract world. Yeah. And again, it's it's to get a really good abstract shot is very difficult. Like there is an art to it. It's not just like a blurry shot. Yeah. So it's quite tricky. I don't mind blurry blurriness in a photo when you can't tell what the blurriness is. If that makes sense. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what I mean. It's like um, to get that blurriness to work, to get that abstract feature to work, is not easy. Because otherwise it's just an out of focus shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a lot of people have the blurry backgrounds and then they have like, a thing they take a photo of as an animal or their friend there and focus. Yeah, so that's got to do with your depth of field. So, so the aperture, the aperture which is in the lens, that's the, the hole that essentially allows light through the lens to burn onto, in this case, onto the sensor. But if you, so if you open that aperture up, you increase your depth of field. So the background's slightly more in focus as well as your subject. The more you close that aperture, the more it focuses in just on your face and everything else is super blurry so it pops out the subject. So yeah, again, it's an understanding of your equipment to get a certain shot that you as the photographer want to portray. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So it's, again, sometimes it works if you're doing it, if you've got the shot like that by mistake or if you didn't focus on the right thing, it can mess it up. I mean, if it focuses on the branch behind you there and everything else is blurred but the branch is in focus, it's a waste of time, eh? Yeah. yeah. Do you believe in aliens and ghosts? Aliens and ghosts. No, we don't. But I love the concept. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's... I'd rather not believe it just because it's just like, what is it? What are you going to show me? Uh, but I, to listen to people... I, I don't know if I've actually met... Do you believe in them? Do you believe in aliens? Well, I don't think we're the only life form in the universe. Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah. But okay. I don't believe, like... They look like humans, like how they're portrayed in movies. Yeah, yeah that's maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that there's other life form. I mean, if you look at the whole, like, gal like the whole universe, it is huge. Like we don't even know. Like, you know, you, you get our galaxy is called the Milky Way, and then there's next door neighbor galaxies, and next door neighbor galaxies, and next door neighbor galaxies. I mean, it, there has to be something. Yeah, ghosts are a tricky one. Jeez, I tell you what, yeah, I mean, if I walk into a big castle that's, you know, that has been untouched for, for, for a long time, I definitely feel scared for sure. I'm like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> but I think I'll choose not to believe in them. Okay. <laughs> Do you think if aliens did exist and they came to Earth, do you think it will affect Earth or not really? I think it would just be us trying to want to experiment on them. I mean, it's a good it's a good thing to think about you know, why they want to come there. Yeah? But I mean, if you think of it the other way, let's say we try to go to somewhere we found other living things, creatures. I think we would impact on them, and therefore, if they came here, we would, they would impact on us, on on the system. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is just nature. So if there if there are things that are living out there. They, it runs, I think, I, I do believe in the system of nature, that in order for it to work, there has to be a system, there's a movement, there's a growth. There's a... So, if they did come here, I think it would be, would be quite an interesting arrival. Yeah. <laughs>
Not like we don't have our own problems in, or enough problems as without others coming in, yeah. Intergalactical politics. Ghosts are weird because you can't see them. Yeah. Everyone has some sort of kind of ghost story. Yeah, look, ghosts are weird. <laughs> and like I say, when you go into a room or into a house that, that it just doesn't feel cool, it's like, mm, I don't know, I can't see stuff, but it just doesn't feel <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. Well, in my mom's house, we have this problem where the bathroom would lock itself. Ah, okay. Take the handle. <laughs> but it's an old house because it's one of the first houses ever built in Fisher. So then the is one bathroom. Yeah. That me and my brother use like the most. Yeah, yeah. And there's another small one, and it's like a little wall, but it's not that um like all the way connected to the roof. Yeah, yeah. So each time it happened, my brother had to climb over to unlock it. Mm, okay. You never know. Goes yeah. to fish. But now it doesn't happen anymore. Oh good. Someone yeah, came. At least my mom's friend came into the spirits thing. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. It helped, but who knows? It could return. At least you can, at least you can climb the wall and open it again and use the bathroom. Oh, my brother can, I? Yeah, yeah, I ain't doing that. Though Joe Rogan said, if ghosts really exist, how come people don't say they ever see them, see them at a normal place like the beach? Yeah, exactly. That's where the ghost should be. Yeah. The best place to be, yeah. Everyone, yeah. When people mention ghosts, they're always saying scary places. Yeah. They're just a normal place. It's a normal place, yeah. Like a coffee shop. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna to need to make a move soon. I gotta go pick Zoe up from school, eh? I ain't going. But we can carry on for a bit, yeah. Kind of I just see which ones are more important than others. Yeah, I'll just pick them out there. What do you do if big groups of animals come close to you, like lions or elephants? Uh, if you if you can, like if you can anticipate them coming towards you, rather just give them space. Again, it's that whole thing of we coming into their environment, so. Who are we to just stay in the way? So if you can back up and let the elephant pass on the road, it's better to do that. But if you can't for whatever reason, let's say come around the corner and the elephant's there and he's already walking really close to you, just turn the car off and just you gotta just sit suit up completely still. That's down. what I, that's what I did when I went to crew not not Addo with my mom. Mm -hmm. They were so close to us. Yeah. Yeah, I could take reach my hand out the yeah. the window and touch it. Yeah. But you don't do that. No, 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 that could change there. But yeah, if you just sit still and quiet, they'll just walk straight past you. Are lions the same? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so animals in those national parks are really used to people inside cars. So they, they see that as a non-threat. They're not a threat, so they're not going to run away. Like if you go and drive through the middle of the Kalahari and and a, a, like a lion that's never seen a car, that thing will run from you immediately. It won't even try and come close to you. Okay. But in the national parks like Addo and that sort of stuff, those elephants see cars all day long. And they, they know that they're not a threat. And in a lion's case, or leopard, they, they know that we're not food. As long as you stay in the car and keep still, they'll just walk past. Okay. Yeah, don't panic. It's a good time to take photographs. Take your mind off it. Exactly. Yeah. Is the thing about elephants being scared of like rats and mice? Is that, is that true, or is that just like a made-up thing? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know why they would be. Maybe because they can't see them. Yeah, but birds are the same size. They're not scared of birds, or. Well, birds they can see because they higher. High up, maybe. But I don't think so. Like I've never, I've never seen definite evidence that 
that is the case. I think that's a, maybe a made-up story uh, where it comes from. But wild elephants, I see mice feeding on the ground next to wild elephants, and the elephants just ignore them. Yeah. Uh, probably came from like a fairy tale. Oh, yeah, well, maybe, maybe from a maybe from a like a zoo environment or something like that, yeah. somewhere where or circus. Yeah, but in the wild, I don't think so. Well, the wild's so big, so they can easily get away from it. Yeah, if they, they, if they yeah, can. Yeah, 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 maybe yeah, they can they can move away. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think they're scared. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have any cool random animal facts that most people won't know? Just like impress people here. <laughs> Facts. Now you have to have to rack the brain. Make you think. Mm. I got one about dolphins. I don't think you know. Yeah. But uh, did you know that dolphins smoke puffer fishes? Smoke puffer fishes. Fish, yes. Holy smokes! And they actually get like kind of high. Really, eh? Because dolphins are, are so smart that they probably get bored. That's interesting, eh? They like yeah. blow it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's blowed up. Yeah, and they, they blow it like up and down like that. Really? Yeah, and it gives them. Jeez, that would be quite funny. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, actually, Dante. No. Unusual animal facts. <laughs> Prepared me for this one. No, next question. You're avoiding it. I'll answer it for you. Yeah, yeah, there you go, thanks. <laughs> now you guys are more dolphins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I've just seen, I don't know about the facts, but interesting stuff I didn't know talking about and in the ocean. Have you seen the, uh, the octopus teacher? No, but my dad seems good. It's unbelievable. This octopus, they, they have sensors in all their suckers. They got, so they can... They can pick up scent and they can feel things through every single individual sucker that they have. So, so they're highly, highly intelligent and they can, they, they go into new areas and, and they must work out what's going on there and then change colors according to the coral for, for um, camouflage to lay ambush and catch things or if there's a predator, how to move away. They're super sharp. There's, okay. there's this cool. documentary starts off with this there's a ball of, uh, of old shells and, and, and sticks and things that people weren't sure what it was. And it's actually an a, a octopus that has collected all this stuff and, and sucked it on himself so he looks like a piece of rock, a piece of like rock with coral on it to, to, to hide himself. Amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, so I think there's a lot maybe in the ocean that people don't know. Yeah. Mm. Because it's pretty hard to explore. Yeah, big time, man. I should check out that documentary. You should, yeah, it's really good. And also, it's really good filming. So, so it's filmed in South Africa. Yeah, right, yeah. Boulders and... Um, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think, it looks like the guy, I forget his name, but I think he, he, he's, a, he's a cinematographer and he puts documentaries together. So I think he filmed and, and did everything, the editing and everything himself. Uh, as an individual, yeah, I think that's what it looked like. Really good. Well, it's cool that Netflix backed it. Ah, it's incredible, yeah. But it, it really is a great production, yeah. You, you should definitely check it out. I will do. How did you get into running? Was that just because of your job? It, it is because of my job, and it's because of one of the guests that, that I met. 
Yeah, on, on the trip we were on, they were training for the Comrades Marathon, and I was uh, not part of that group training for the marathon, but the whole group was, and they said, oh, well, why don't you just join us? We're going to run every day. So, okay, why not? I don't want to be the only one that's not doing it. And then I just started to run with these guys every day. For, it was a long trip. It was a motorbike trip. It took three months, but I did a month with these guys. So I ran every day, and then I thought, oh, I might as well carry on. And then I got into trail running. Okay. So that's just such a cool thing to do now. Yeah. My mum does some trail running. Okay. It's great fun, eh? I, I, I get trail running more than running on the road. Oh, yeah. And the roads. The people I don't get who pay to go to Silver Mine, but they're on the road there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a thing that, like, something sort of nice to look at. Yeah, no, no. He was running the trail. Trail. The same as, like, I much prefer mountain biking to road biking. The fun time. But I street skating to go into a park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Street skating, you never know what you're going to get. There's always, you have to think about, we can jump onto that curb and jump, do tricks and, you know. No, so I just got into it. I just enjoy it. And then once you once you get into something, it's like you can't go without it. Like you skate pretty much every day. If you don't skate, I don't know if it's the same as like if I don't, if I don't do any of like the running or riding or go for a surf, if I don't do that every day, ah, like, I don't feel great. I want to do that. I get you. Yeah. yeah. My dad's the same as training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It becomes part of us, eh? Whatever we do on a daily basis. Like eating. Day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Eat, sleep, skate, in your case. Yeah. Yeah. And then repeat. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I need, to go and, I need to go to the next event. I need to go and collect Zoe. No. Yeah. But thanks for, thanks for inviting me, it's so cool catching up with you. We can do another session if you want at some point. Okay. I don't know if you've got any, like, lots of other, or any other question there that's... There's just a few more. Yeah. Should I try one? Yeah, 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 let's do one, but then I do need otherwise I'm going to have a little 13-year-old biting my ankles. <laughs> How do you choose running shoes? Because I know with skate shoes you have very particular things that you need for. Yeah, for sure, that's a great question. So there are thousands of like options out there. But obviously first if you're going road and trail, trail is tread. Then there's also like how does the shoe breathe, how does it, how light is it. And so the best thing to do, because they'll all have like all skating shoes, they'll, they'll have the right sort of material material and that it's just a question of how they fit and how, how they fit your, your shoe your foot sorry and in trail running as well or running you've also got like short distance do you want to run fast on the track do you want to run long distance so i guess it all boils down to what you want to use it for and then whichever one feels the best go with that one because i mean there's like hundreds to choose from which brand is your favorite i use hocker never heard of them yeah yeah Check them out, they, they're cool, they look crazy, they've got like a, quite a big sole, they're super cushioned, uh, but they've got good technology, I like them, they're, they're really comfortable, do long runs in there, no problem, their trail shoes are, are, are becoming more and more technical, and, and Solomon is still a good shoe, I like, I like that for trail running, or Salomon as some say, I don't know which way around, but those are probably my go-to shoes, Hocker and Salomon. Nice. For me when it comes to skate shoes, I find vans are the best. Yeah, vans seem to be... Have you seen, you must Google the old airwalk, like the vintage airwalks. They had the, late, the lace savers. I don't know, you must check them out. 
when we, we, we were kids, or even if I could find those shoes now, I would buy those shoes for sure. I can't remember, I think they were the 360, Airwalk 360s. Uh, you must check, you should Google vintage Airwalks. I'll do that. So cool, eh? And they had a, a big leather lace saver to protect your laces uh, from the skateboard and from the grip tape. Yeah, the Airwalks now, they're, they're trying to compete with Vans, like yeah. in terms of their, their, their sort of, a, what are, I think they call them pump shoes or something, I don't know. But, uh, but Vans are cool for yeah. skating, but the old, the old, old style Airwalks, I don't even know, we had Converse when we, when we were kids growing up, Converse and Airwalk, but you had to import them into South Africa. Yeah. I'm not even sure if Van was... That was the first ever company to make skate shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably weren't in the country. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Off the wall. That yeah. is their slogan, right? Still is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the longest miles you've ran? Um, 80 Ks. Yup. 80 Ks. Yeah. Through the desert, through the Sahara Desert. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. That was a long day out. That was a long day. You're probably hot. Yeah, but a lot of it ran at night, eh? I can't remember, I think it took about, maybe even been 19 hours, eh? Through it's like big sand dunes and stuff. Yeah. But once Crazy. you fit, you're okay. Once you get to that level, you can keep going. As long as you get blisters or. Is it harder to run on sand? Yeah, you gotta, it's a different style, eh? I mean, it's thick, so you just run slower. But it's okay. definitely harder than running on the road, yeah. Cool. Cool, man. That's, that's, that's it. it. Sorry, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Yeah, nice one. Shot, really? Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now what do you do? You cut some of it up and then you make a make a production or you just put it out raw? Put it raw. Nice. Like Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan's cool, eh? But I can't watch him now. His new studio is weird. Oh, yeah? He moved to Texas and now he's got this studio that's bright red. And it's ah. distracting when you're trying to watch. Okay, let's check it out. I haven't seen it for a while. Also, his guests aren't that good anymore because he's not in LA. Yeah, I'm sure the Texans must be a little different, eh? But LA, that place is crazy. You want to go somewhere quieter? Yeah, isn't it? No, that's cool, eh? Yeah, yeah. You must let me know when it's on there. I'll send you a link. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks. Okay, thanks very much, eh?